This is episode 31 with Stephanie Wakert. Welcome to the Bold and Brave podcast. I am your host, Hope, and this podcast is about asking ourselves questions, lots and lots of questions that we need to in order to open up space for ourselves where we can start observing our thoughts, our memories, our imaginations more. And when we do that, when we allow ourselves to create space, we can then start to move towards our desires with courage and with faith and with trust and with confidence, maturity, and above anything else with choice. Because I want to remind you that even when we don't choose, we are still choosing. And we have the power. You are the creator and you get to decide and you get to choose so let's make a choice today i choose to listen to people all around the globe because i want more perspective i want to know more i want to know so much more and i want to keep learning and i want to keep observing and i want to keep listening and growing and understanding that's what life's about so welcome to the brave and bold podcast Certified yoga therapist and creator of Make Peace with Stress, Stephanie Wakert is an inspiring teacher with such an interesting story. Stephanie cuts through the overwhelm to get to the heart of the matter. When you work with Stephanie, what you can expect is a wholehearted connection. And you'll probably be surprised and quite delighted by just how potent yet practical yoga therapy for stress can be. Stephanie's work matters because when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. In today's episode, Stephanie takes us back to where this journey began for her. We look at stress and why we are allowing ourselves to stop and sit in this stress, carry stress, deal with stress. We discuss the stigma around stress. We discuss how we can support one another in stressful situations and become more aware for one another. We also dive in and look at behavior. How do we acknowledge the behavior when we're stressed in ourselves and in other people and so much more. So without further ado, please let me introduce to you Stephanie Wakert. Um, it would have to be, oh, I have two that are really, really almost tied. Um, but I'm going to go with sushi. I'm going to go with, um, yeah, I'm going to go with, uh, like a rainbow roll or the local sushi place that I love has one called a Lee roll, which is yellowtail and wasabi. It's so good. (laughs) Oh, yum. That sounds absolutely delicious. Stephanie, I'm so excited to be speaking with you today. You're a qualified yoga therapist and creator of Make Peace with Stress for Smart, Capable and Stressed Out Women. You've spent the last 15 years teaching yoga therapy for yoga studios, hospitals and one-on-ones and now you're working with high achieving women who struggle with chronic stress that make that masks itself as feelings of overwhelm, anxiety, the inability to relax, burnout. Stephanie, in your story, you mentioned you also had a decade-long battle with stress. Can you take us back to how this journey started and came about for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It really started in my late teens. And through my 20s, I just really struggled. And I think what's notable is that on the outside, 
it didn't appear that way. I, you know, pretty much had a good life going and, um, but, but inside I just doubted myself. I was in constant fear, a lot of worry, a lot of, you know, uncertainty. And, um, and by the time I was in my mid to late twenties, I had developed a um, a body focused, what I now know is a body focused repetitive behavior. Um, a really common one that most people are familiar with is biting your nails, right? That's most people are familiar with that, you know, sort of nervous habit, if you will. But mm -hmm. what I had developed is pulling on my eyebrows and eyelashes. And I had been doing this for years and years and years. But by the time I hit my um, like I said, you know, mid to late 20s, I had no eyebrows or eyelashes left to pull out. And that was a real, um, that was a real turning point for me. Uh, when I, you know, I say that I saw myself as if for the first time. And I recognized that what I had been, that inner struggle that I'd been hiding so well for a decade was now very apparent, at least to me, um, when I looked in the mirror. And um, there was a bit of insight in that, that moment that I had a, a very simple choice to make. Didn't mean it was easy to do, but the choice itself was quite simple. And that choice was to stay stuck in the way that I was living inside of myself or to take charge of it. And I just got so clear in that moment that I was going to take charge of this one nervous habit, this one thing that I was doing that was a coping mechanism to my struggle, inner struggles with, you know, with stress and anxiety and stress-related depression and that sort of um, roller coaster that I had been on for so long, trying to keep it all together and, you know, put a put a happy face out to the world, but not feeling that on the inside at all. Wow. And yeah, it was a, it was a, a real landmark moment um, for me. It's, a, you know, a moment that I'll never forget because the insight was immediate. Um, and, and, you know, I'd been struggling for so long. And during that time I thought, Oh, if I just, you know, if I just, lost a little weight, if I just ate a healthier diet, if I just exercise more, if I just, you know, get more sleep, if I just have a different job, if I just, you know, finish school, if I just, it was like constantly this, like, all I need is this one more thing. <laughs> you know, you get that visual of the, the, the carrot that's dangling on a stick just outside of your reach forever and ever and ever. And so that moment of really seeing my face in the mirror as if for the first time and that insight that, that you know, was downloaded in, in some ways from, you know, the universe or God or spirit or whatever it is is um was a was a huge breakthrough because i recognized oh it's not about all these other out you know external accomplishments um that that's really going to change the way i feel about myself and my life it's really about taking charge of that all of that inner dialogue that was just burying me 
Wow, Stephanie. That is an incredible story. To give you a little bit of insight into my life, I used to be a professional dancer and I was always stressed. I carried stress in my neck and my shoulders and I actually carried a lot of stress in my stomach, believe it or not. I used to, like stress used to be my middle name. I was the stressor. And I would always tell my mum and dad how I was feeling if I was stressed out, but I'd never tell anyone anyone else because I thought I'd be seen as weak or I wasn't coping with my life and and the worse it got there there were even times where I would resist telling my parents until it would get to the point where I couldn't anymore and I had to ask for help and also when I was in my 20s no one really wanted to hear about your worries because no one really knew how to deal with stress really so Stephanie do you think a big part of the reason why we are getting so stressed out is because we aren't allowing ourselves to stop it in its tracks because it, when it really rears its head, are we, are we used to carrying around and dealing with this stress? And are there, is, it, is there a stigma around it, around being stressed or speaking out about being stressed or saying, hey, listen, I am stressed today. Like this is a real thing and I need help. Yeah. I love this question. Thank you so much for asking. I have a couple of things I want to say. I think that in some ways stress is a badge of honor, right? Um, For, for, you know, women, I think who, um, you know, really want to have it all, (laughs) that Mm. there's a sense that, you know, you have to be constantly going and doing and, you know, running on that hamster wheel and keeping up. And, um, and then the other thing I want to say about that is that um, at the same time that it's a badge of honor, it's also so common and so familiar that it's not taken seriously for what it really is. And, you know, I mean, uh, you ask anyone, you know, I teach a, I teach some group yoga classes. And when I introduce myself and, you know, talk about being a a yoga therapist uh, for, you know, that, that mentors people who struggle with stress, I say, you know, who's, who is that in here? And, nine out of 10 or, you know, 99 out of a hundred people raise their hand. Oh yeah. I struggle with it. Yeah, of course. Of course. Who doesn't. Right. And so it's really not taken as seriously for, you know, the mental health issue that it really is. And the final thing that I want to say in answer to that question is I think that a big issue in our world when it comes to stress is that we talk about relieving it, reducing it, or managing it. And I could not disagree more with any of those tactics because stress is really a call to action. Stress is really your body and mind and heart's way of saying something isn't working here. Something is threatening. Um, And, you know, I use that word and feel like I immediately need to say, you know, not necessarily 
necessarily threatening physically, right? The stress response originally sort of uh, came about in the human body to help us run or fight when we're in danger, literally in physical danger. And now, you know, thankfully, we're mostly not uh, in, in physical danger on the daily basis. But the stress response is still a signal, is still a mechanism of preparation to help you with what's out of alignment with what you need to thrive, not just survive, but actually thrive. And so um, it's why I call my work Make Peace with Stress, because as soon as we start to see stress as a call to action, as a catalyst for growth, as an impetus for, um, you know, for observing and opening to the insight that's there, then we can really start to use it to our advantage. And just like the fight or flight system is there to physically prepare us to, you know, run away or to fight, you know, something that's that's threatening us. The the modern day stress response is a mechanism of preparation. And so we just have to see it that way before we can actually use it that way. Instead mm-hmm. of saying, I need to relieve this, right? I need to reduce this. I need to manage this. I need to let it be there, but still keep going. I could not disagree more with that. And I think there's one other thing I want to just throw in that you were sort of alluding to is, um, is that we, in our modern world, we tend to not want to feel our feelings and the, you know, there's so many thousands, maybe more of ways to distract yourself, to numb yourself, to avoid your feelings, to, you know, build a wall, to whatever, that, um, you know, that, that that's, that's where the, the chronic stress piece comes in, because we feel it, we're, you know, we sense, oh, I just have to manage this, I just have to live with this, I just have to, you know, try to make this okay, and then it builds, and it builds, and it builds, and what really happens, and this is what really happened to me, is that your body gets in a cycle of the stress response being your go-to response, even when things aren't, you know, stressful per se, or challenging per se. And that's a huge, that's a huge issue, because that's when it becomes really damaging to your body, your body is not meant to, you know, continually run on that level of adrenaline and cortisol, those hormones, it's like revving, you know, it's like revving an engine when your tires are stuck in the mud, and you're just spinning, spinning, spinning. And if you just did that, for, you know, for for a very long time, the engine would literally just you know kaput it would just say i'm done absolutely and that's very interesting too stephanie i was actually doing some research um last night on um cortisone how do you say cortisone cortisol cortisol levels and it was really interesting the effects that it has on your body internally without even realizing. And I was reading all these things and I was thinking, yep, I've had that. Yep. I get that. Yep. I, re- I ignore that. Yep. I've definitely had that a lot and ignored that in my body. There are so many things that have gone on in my body in my twenties 
And now, not in, you know, in my 30s now, I'm listening and going, okay, it's real, like my body's speaking to me and it's, it's, really, it's really time to listen up. And I think it's important too, as you're making us much more aware, Stephanie, is that it's not just diet, it's not just exercise. You know, we're always told, told listen to your di- listen to your diet, listen to your body for exercise, and and how to feed your body good with food. But we never really talk enough about how to feed our body with our own minds, so that we can we can look after our body that way too, Stephanie. You know, when you're when you're speaking with someone and you know, you're just conversing like, hi, how are you? Whether it's at work, it could be with a friend, you know, any kind of relationship, whether it's professional or personal. And it's almost like our, wherever we are, our, our response is almost, it becomes quite predictable. Like you were saying before, to the point we're asking someone how they are is almost starting to feel more like it's just another way of saying, hi, listen, I'm not actually really that interested in asking how you are. I'm just being polite here. And I feel like we've forgotten how to hold space for one another. And it's not necessarily Mm. because we don't want to talk or hear or listen to one another about what's going on in our lives, but because sometimes you know, we are, we are bursting sometimes for someone to ask us how we are. And we, we wait for that, that signal to be able to say, oh my gosh, thank you for asking. This is how I'm feeling. But other times it's because we don't have the skills or the tools to help educate one another and support one another comfortably. And then on the other side of that, there's perhaps the fact that we might be afraid of being supported or being supportive as it may trigger some truths about ourselves that we're not yet wanting to show up for ourselves as well and and take note because I noticed that a lot of our interactions with people and how we respond to one another always determines on how well we're able to listen because nine times out of ten what we're listening to in another person is it's it's really the things that we need to be listening to in ourselves (laughs) as well and if we're unable to hear that another in another person then the qu- one of the questions really should be, what is it that I'm not hearing in myself? Stephanie, do you think that we are hiding yes. behind stress because we're too proud to share with one another how we really feel? How can we become more self-aware for one another? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think you're spot on with the lack of ability to hold space for others. And I I know from personal and professional experience that that's really about a lack of ability to hold space for yourself, right? It goes right back to that you know, not wanting to feel your feelings and, you know, instead choosing to numb or distract or, you know, develop coping mechanisms. Um, And so, you know, yeah, I, I absolutely feel that it's about paying attention and, that starts with paying attention to yourself in uh, yoga philosophy. And it's actually the first step of the make peace with stress process that I teach. Um, There's a practice called Svadhyaya, which is self study. And it's simply paying attention 
on purpose, and here's the kicker, without judgment. And one of the ways that I think about it, practice it, and teach it is to take on a scientist mindset. Like, what's going on in here, right? Just as if you um, are looking into, you know, a room for the first time and sort of, you know, taking stock or surveying what's around, you know, you might not, um, you know, you're not immediately judging it as, you know, good or bad or, you know, worth worth something or not you're you know you're really taking stock and i think that i know that the more that we practice that within ourselves you know really seeing honest truthful seeing to whatever capacity is available in any moment um because that changes then we will then have more capacity to as you said so well hold space for each other um you know and that distraction piece is you know we we do it for ourselves and you know like you like you when you first um started the question about you know you say how are you and it just becomes this automatic you know question and you're not really listening for the answer um you know it's just this automatic pattern is that's such a great example of how when we do things repeatedly it becomes a pattern in our brains quite literally the neural synapses in the brain strengthen the more we do something like when you memorize something like when you memorized your abcs or your multiplication tables or you know or song lyrics or whatever you repeat it over and over again until your brain knows it and the knowing is that the neural pathway is really strong and therefore your brain will automatically start down that pathway in a way that it feels habitual or just really familiar and so that how are you you know hey how are you sort of question really falls in that and stressing really falls into that category as well as I mentioned uh, earlier when we are constantly reacting to situations with a you know a negative bias or with some form of resistance then that becomes a pattern within our way of you know thinking and feeling and acting and being um, that that just becomes default and so in order to really start to change that we have to pay attention right practice self-study to notice when that's happening so that we can get to that moment where i was in the mirror you know 20 plus years ago of saying okay i have a choice here i can either stay stuck in this pattern of you know stressing out of you know hyper reacting of you know being resistant of whatever uh, not listening not not paying attention not uh, uh, numbing myself whatever it might be there's so many or i can take charge of myself in this moment and try a different way and that is the key first step in making these inner changes is noticing that it's happening Right. So like the next time you find yourself saying like, hey, Hope, how are you? Like noticing that you're just saying that and not really listening or like immediately like moving on or, or distracting yourself mentally and say, oh, actually, I'm going to listen for her answer. I'm going to really hear it, really be present for it. 
And every time you do that, you strengthen that new neural pathway. You really strengthen that new pattern. You, you chart the new path and then you keep using it so it gets stronger. And then eventually the other way that you used to do things will diminish and ultimately, you know, pretty much go away because that's how your brain works. It's, it's training. It's just like training a muscle, right? You lift weights and you, you know, start with a 10 pound weight and you do, you know, three reps of 10. And then at some point that three reps of 10 with the 10 pound weight is not strengthening you anymore. So you have to pick up a heavier weight and do more reps or whatever it is. And your brain works the exact same way. You have to really pay attention, start to to make that choice to try a different way every single time or as many times as possible and recognize that that's the work, that's the practice, that's the way changes actually happen. Mm, it's all about reprogramming the mind, isn't it really, Stephanie? And just really knocking is. out, I like to call it the Jenga case, like knocking out the, the old Jenga blocks of the, of the building blocks that we you know, we started to build for ourselves at a very young age. And, and I think sometimes that we forget that as we, that as we get older, the whole point is to grow up and out of limiting mm-hmm. beliefs. And if we are continuously growing as people, but we're still in a headspace of those belief patterns that we learned when we were very young, then we're not going to be in alignment. Stephanie, I'm yes. very curious. You're working with high achieving women who are dealing with stress how how do these high achieving people deal with stress that are you know like in these really big top companies with positions that i can't even imagine the kind of demands and and day-to-day duties that they are you know what their day-to-day list even looks like how how do they how do high achieving people deal with stress well the Good news, maybe, or maybe not good news, I'm not sure, (laughs) is that we all have one of mostly three ways that we deal with it. And uh, yeah, I say this in my in my group yoga classes, sometimes, uh, you know, if someone is in the class that is doing a forward bend, and they're not that bent over. And then someone next to them is doing a forward bend, and they seem to be bent all the way over, right? They look so much more flexible. And that person that is less flexible is feeling like, oh, I'm not doing enough. I'm not getting enough out of it, or I'm not, you know, I'm just not, my, my body just doesn't do that or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, is that person that's bent all the way over is experiencing that same level of stress at the in their muscles, that same level of stretch is what I actually meant to say in their muscles when they go all the way over as the person who's doing, you know, only 25% of that, that sort of edge is the same. It's still, it feels the same, even though their physical bodies look different on the outside. And that's exactly the same thing with stress, with what you're talking about, you know, what may look like, um, you know, an easy breezy life or not as much responsibility for one person versus, you know, another person who has a ton of responsibilities and is, you know, I don't know, managing, like you said, like a large company or whatever, it's, they have the same inner 
reactions. And the, the three ways, the sort of the three categories um, that I've identified is we, um, some of us tend to freeze and that's where we just simply feel paralyzed and can't move forward, you know, when we're just overwhelmed to the point of like, you know, can't do anything. Simple, a simple explanation. Some of us tend to catastrophize, which is about, you know, really just defaulting to worst case scenario all the time. Again, a simple, simple way of answering that. And then some of us are imploders. And that's what I am. And that's when we, you know, shove down our feelings, shove down that inner struggle, and keep going. Um, and, and I love what you said about, you know, the, you know, the, the limiting beliefs that you, that we, you know, that we all have cultivated over our lives, or that maybe, you know, started you know, as when we were children uh, that we carry with us and how that really prevents us from being in alignment. I, I believe so strongly that the purpose of our lives is to find that alignment, to get to know, continually get to know ourselves and to look within for what we are meant to be you know, expressing and contributing to the world. And I think that that changes um, and evolves and that, that it's a lifelong practice and it's, it's what we are here to do. So, you know, so the woman that, you know, is the CEO of a, you know, of a, of a hospital um, or, you know, VP of a hospital, you know, might look like on the outside, like, oh, yeah, she's, you know, doing all of this, uh, just got, like you said, like a to do list that, you know, is hard to hard to sort of wrap your head around the level of responsibility. She is experiencing that same inner self doubt, that same inner, um, you know, sense of not being enough, or you know, impressing people, or you know, sh showing up in the way that she wants to show up as, you know, the 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 stay at home mom that, um, you know, is managing a household and toddlers or whatever. It's really we. It's it's a universal experience. The stress response is a universal experience, and even our psychological stress is really boils down to um, you know a few a few sort of categories in the way that the way that we react to challenging life situations, no matter what the external circumstance looks like. Mm. Yes, that is very true, Stephanie. Now, you you say that stress is costing our organizations money, time, and resilience, and that we should look at changing that. Now, in my personal experience, when it comes to the workplace and working for organizations, I personally think that there is a lot of gaps and things that are missing when it comes to our human resources and having having people in a workplace that can really be there to support employees. My, my stepbrother um, back in Australia runs a really big human resources company for Australia. And I, you know, I have had 
the 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 benefit of being able to sit and talk to him and and ask him questions and ask him what he does and what his job is and how he's responsible and what he's responsible for and how he wants to improve and he's such a passionate person when it comes to looking after people and not just their jobs but looking after them like what's going on for them because even though you know there's this saying and I'll never forget it. Leave, leave, leave it at the door. When you go to work or when you go to an audition or when you come into the classroom, leave it at the door. And I think that's become very crippling for a lot of people because we're now leaving it at the door and we shouldn't be. (laughs) Now it's like, don't leave it at the door because then no one's going to be able to open the door at the end of the day because it's going to be blocked by stress from everyone (laughs) that they've now been told to leave at the door how would you agree how can we because I've also had some really damaging experiences with with my HR teams in in businesses Mm. that have kind of raised questions for myself and a lot of employees you know what's going on here and why don't we have that support yeah, that's great. First, the first thing that I just feel like I have to say is we can't leave it at the door. Mm-hmm. That is just such a misrepresentation of how humans work. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's just a completely unrealistic uh, way of thinking about how to, um, you know, how to to support. Um, you know, how to, how to experience um, ourselves. We can't leave it. We can't leave it. And when we try to, it actually causes more stress because it's a separation. It's, you know, it's being disjointed. It's being out of alignment with your whole self. And so, um, you know, so I, I hope that that sentiment you know, at some point soon gets, (laughs) you know, just gets left behind because it's just not the way that we work. Um, And, and I think in organizations, I'm, I'm hopeful, I'm starting to see more and more of the recognition that it is the people within, you know, companies and organizations that, um, that are the lifeblood of that and that investing in people has profound levels of returns. And, you know, most companies want to know right away about the bottom line. Um, and it's pretty easy to look at any type of um, sort of, you know, human resource type statistics that talk about retention being, you know, a huge um, opportunity to reduce costs. And healthcare, you know, and here in the United States, healthcare is a big, somewhat contentious issue. And stress contributes so much to so many ailments and issues. Uh, At one point, there was a statistic that um, I think it was 90% of like regular visits to family doctors, you know, to your primary care physician had some element of stress related issue. Um, And so, so I'm hopeful that organizations are starting to recognize the importance of embracing, not leaving at the door, but embracing the whole 
um, person as an employee. And one of the things that I've really worked hard on to help address this, and, and especially for organizations, not especially, but as it pertains to organizations, is that um, I teach something called Make Peace with Stress at Work. And one of the whole key tenets of Make Peace with Stress is that it's a process that's very simple to do. And, you know, we talked about repetition and creating new neural pathways and creating something that's more familiar and, and your sort of more automatic pattern. And, and the Make Peace with Stress process, when you learn it, becomes that. It becomes the way that you face challenges, big and small. And within organizations, when I'm teaching Make Peace with Stress at work, what's so beautiful about it is that um, the people within the organization start to be able to ha have a, a common language around it that is not judgmental. It's very process, sort of problem-solving oriented. And, and in my experience, what happens is, is that that language that common language starts to cultivate more of a sense of, you know, to sort of circle back to what you said earlier of being able to hold space for one another. And, you know, when the well-being of all people within an organization um, or even a small group of people within an organization starts to become more of a priority that that elevates everything you know it's, i love the saying a rising tide lifts all boats so you know what what individuals do um and you know has this um you know has this effect on the greater on the greater organization or you know on the world because when more and more of us are able to embrace ourselves and our inner struggles and open to those opportunities of inner struggle as a way to be intentional about how you show up for yourself and then therefore, you know, in the world, the more of us that are doing that as a practice, as a lifestyle, the more we will really be able to come together to listen, to uh, have empathy and compassion, to um, recognize that at the core, we all want the same thing, which is, you know, to be seen and to be loved. Yes. Yes. I love that, Stephanie. It's that, that's, that is the truth. We are all wanting to be seen and loved. And it's very interesting because as much as we all know it's there, it's like this big elephant in the room, but yet we still hide behind it. It's very interesting. Stephanie, you're doing yeah. some amazing things. Can you tell us about the beautiful teachings that you offer and um, your courses as well as your book, Make Peace with Stress, which we have touched on briefly, but can you give us a little bit more information about the beautiful teachings and, and courses that you offer? Yeah, so I mean, Make Peace with Stress is really the core of my work, and I offer an opportunity to learn and integrate that into your life in a number of different ways. As you mentioned, I'm in the process of writing a book about it so that it can get into the hands of more and more people. Um, but I also uh, offer a what I call a one-on-one -on -one mentorship, um, and that's for individuals 
individuals who are really just looking to, um, you know, have a sounding board to, you know, do that really close, let's, let's focus uh, intently on this and make it happen in my life. Um, and that's a, like a six month um, sort of coaching type situation, an individual one-on-one situation. I also offer Make Peace With Stress as a group program. And that is uh, lovely because it's, all of it can be virtual, of course, but that's lovely because it's sort of this rolling thing where the community is growing and building. And that's a one year um, commitment because what you do is over the course of one year, you go through the Make Peace with Stress core curriculum, which is six Um, modules and we do one module a week uh, in the group and you do that three times over the course of the year and what I love about that so much is that you you know it's almost like peeling an onion or I call it an upward spiral right you start by eliminating the first time you go through it you sort of recognize how you're doing a lot of little things to um, you know to really resist life, you know, like, you know, traffic, (laughs) right, getting upset over, you know, things that are ultimately, you know, not that upsetting, or don't have to be. So you, you sort of peel off that first layer. And then you, um, and then when you come back the second for the second go round, you get a little deeper, you start to realize some things about yourself that, you know, you've been around a while that you can start to hash through. And then the third time, and again, this is over the year, we do it in the winter, in the spring and in the fall. And there's like two months in between the third time you come around, you have really started to integrate this practice, this process, this philosophy into your life and and you mentioned this earlier about you know limiting beliefs from childhood and if if that's what presents itself at that point in that third time around if you're really starting to get into some of the longer held patterns uh, and limiting beliefs that you've been carrying they they rise to the surface and what's so amazing about this process and I I feel like I want to interject that it's yoga it's not you know I'm just the messenger (laughs) Um, but that it really meets you where you are right you can use the make peace with stress process when you're in a traffic jam and find yourself getting you know all irate and frustrated and you can use the same exact process really does address those longer held limiting beliefs that are holding you back. And so once it becomes a part of your vernacular, once it becomes a part of the way that you see things in this method of paying attention and opening to the opportunities of that inner resistance to, to, you know, make that choice to take charge and be more intentional with how you show up for yourself and for others in the world. Once that becomes part of your regular way of thinking, it becomes part of your regular way of feeling and therefore of acting. And, um, you know, I've seen women just be able to really break through long held, um, long held patterns and and just thrive and just really, you know, connect with their potential. And that's, I mean, that's the purpose of yoga is to help us achieve our highest potential. 
Yes, I love that to help us achieve our highest potential. That's that's beautiful, Stephanie. Oh, you've given us some very inspiring and very soulful knowledge today. I am so mm-hmm. grateful that we have had this opportunity to chat, Stephanie. Now, before you go, I would love to fire off three bold and brave questions for you, if I can, or to you, I okay. should say. Sure. What's something bold and brave that you're going to do for yourself next? Mm, I am going to spend the entire month of July. I live on the East Coast and I'm going to spend the entire month of July leaving my husband and teenagers here to uh, in Sedona, Arizona. And I'm doing it as a, a midlife retreat. I'm going to work on my book and I'm going to just be in that amazing vortex of energy on the earth to, I also will be turning 48 in that month. So I, um, that's, and that's a bold step for me. I'm very much a sort of stay at home and, you know, maintain the status quo person. So that is a very, bold and brave step for me to not only acknowledge that I am feeling called to do that, but to, to then put it out there and, and make it happen and, um, you know, sort of stand up for myself in that way. Yes, Stephanie. (laughs) Good for you. That sounds absolutely incredible. I am so happy and excited for you. Well done. Good for you. That's fantastic. What's your, what's your envision for our world? Hmm. So a long time ago, seven, I think years ago, I um, embarked on a, in an online business course. Um, And one of the first things that we did in this business course was to define our why, right? Why are you starting this business? Why are you doing this? And I sat with it and I got really quiet and the inner voice within me, my inner knowing said to positively affect world peace. And I'll tell you the truth, seven years ago, when I heard myself say that inside, I was like, oh, come on. Yeah, right. Who are you to do that? (laughs) But I'm still on that mission because as I mentioned earlier, the more of us that are connecting with our, you know, our inner purpose of, of, of massive personal growth, um, the, the more that radiates out into the world. And, you know, I, I mentioned that saying a rising tide lifts all boats. I believe when we, more of us are making peace with stress, so to speak, with making peace with life's challenges, instead of resisting and struggling to recognize that every challenge is an opportunity to show up, to just show up as your boldest and bravest self, if you will, that that the world will heal the world will heal it's the stress and the resistance and the fear that is that is keeping us at war at war with ourselves and at war with the planet so that's my that's my vision for the world world peace beautiful Oh, give me goosebumps. <laughs> Stephanie, you're, you're a darling. You really are. What a guardian angel. My last question for you is, I want to know with, you know, you're doing so much for us in giving, giving back so much to the rest of the world. How can I give back to you today? Well, 
I'm a giver. Um, and so I think that for, for, I think what I would love for you to give back to me, but really to your audience is the opportunity to uh, go to makepeacewithstress.com and take my stress type quiz. Because as I mentioned, there's three specific stress types. And when you take that quiz, you not only determine your stress type, but you can download a, a guide to your stress type that includes some incredibly, surprisingly simple things. Oh, Stephanie, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I'm sending you and all of your family an abundance of love. I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing. Thank you for sharing your beaming light with us all, Stephanie. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for showing up. And thank you most of all for being you. Thank you so much, Hope. It's been a real pleasure. Wow. What a gentle soul. I could sit and listen to Stephanie talk all day. This is one of the most beautiful things about being a podcast host. And if anyone is thinking about becoming a host or hosting a podcast, however you want to frame it, it's the most amazing thing because I get the opportunity to speak to people like Stephanie who has have so much amazing knowledge and insight and I get to speak to these people all around the world and then I get to share all of this information and all of these beautiful people with you. So thank you. Thank you for being on my platform. Thank you for tuning in and keeping this an option, something that I can do because... It is such a gift to be able to speak with so many amazing human beings all around the world and stop and start again. Wow, what a beautiful soul. I could sit and listen to Stephanie speak all day. And this is one of the beautiful things about getting to do what I do and and be a podcast host and speak to people from all around the globe you know, we all have so much insight and so much experience and knowledge and perspectives. And it is so beautiful to open up a space and listen, sit and listen and and learn and understand everybody's journey and story. It's so inspiring and it's so magical. And for everyone who's listening, I will be dropping all of Stephanie's links in the show notes. So you can head over to her website, check out the stress test and see what type of stressor you are (laughs) and then contact Stephanie. (laughs) I'm sending everyone an abundance of love, all the good juju, all the power, and always remember that you are enough. 